As we continue worshiping together today, you may turn in your favorite Bible app or the Pew Bible and receive this reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord. He may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I propose and succeed in the things for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Please rise as you are able and receive a reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 10. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. We welcome those who've joined us in the last few minutes, whether coming in online or into the sanctuary. We're glad you're here with us and hope that you'll find things to help you connect with us and with God during this time of worship and invite all of us now who are gathered in to the sound of my voice that together we might be in prayer. Let's pray. Oh God, we do come into your presence with joy and with singing giving thanks to you for the gift of this new day, for the gift of this space set apart to ground ourselves in your love and your grace. 
And in these moments, O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, for you and you alone, O oh God, are our rock and redeemer. Amen. If you've ever been to a baseball game, I know many of you have been to baseball games, you will be familiar with the call of the vendors very impressively running up and down the stairs, hawking their wares. Refreshing drinks and delicious guilty pleasures, snacks, are regularly available, of course, for an inflated price. The first several verses of Isaiah 55 sound kind of like the stadium vendors crying out, I've got what you need to quench your thirst and sate your hunger. I got it all right here. The difference, however, is that in Isaiah, there's no guilt, there's no junk food, and there's no price. Eugene Peterson's interpretation of verses one through three in Isaiah 55 read this way. Hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come anyway, buy and eat. Come buy your drinks, buy wine and milk, buy without money. Everything's free. Why do you spend your money on junk food and your hard-earned cash on cotton candy? Listen to me, listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with only the finest. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. I'm making a lasting covenant commitment with you, the same I made with David. Sure, solid, enduring love. There's a kind of urgency in these lines that are both promise and invitation. Come, eat and drink, listen, draw close, receive the life-giving, life-nourishing promise of God's steadfast love. The context for this chapter, the 55th chapter of Isaiah, is likely the early restoration period of Israel, a time when the people are coming to the end of a decades-long exile in Babylon, an exile that they interpreted as God's punishment of them for their sins. While they were in exile, many believed that God had abandoned them. And as they came back, even after Cyrus and the Persian Empire allowed their return to Judah, it was sometime around 536 before the Common Era, even then, things were difficult. Jerusalem hadn't been rebuilt since Babylon had destroyed it decades before. Social and economic structures were weak. There were struggles for the most uh, desirable land between those who were returning and those who had remained during that time. The people were weary, they were grieving, they were mired in conflicts of all kinds, and they were struggling to sustain their lives 
in this time. I can only imagine that the words of the prophet would be received by these people with some measure of disbelief. Like, really? Really, you're going to tell me this now? Free? Free groceries? And not thin broth or leftovers or weak old sale items, but good, rich food for free? And from an angry God? Really? Israel's years in exile had perhaps trained them to not expect much that is good, to expect that life will simply be hard, a series of problems to solve and obstacles to overcome. Some became so accommodated to life in Babylon that they turned away from Yahweh altogether, refusing to return with their people to Judah. I can imagine that some of these might have found ways to thrive in their new context, while others perhaps were simply tired of afraid and afraid of losing even more. Afraid, perhaps, of what they would find if they did return to the homes that they had been forced from. Perhaps some felt so far from God that they didn't think they'd ever be welcomed back. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann suggests that it's all of these who struggled and even chose not to return who are addressed in verse 7 of our text today. And it's it's that in this text, they are being called to turn away from what separates them from God, their thoughts that God won't welcome them, won't provide for them, won't welcome them back, to turn away from what separates them from God and instead to come back to God who is merciful, who is lavish with forgiveness, and who wants to give them all that they need to live For all of those who had been in exile, whether returning or not, the words from Isaiah 55 would be difficult to believe. Maybe some who are present here today could feel the same way. After all, sometimes the things we experience or perceive in life can train us to expect the worst not the best, to always expect something bad to happen, like we're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. We're looking for the next crisis or anticipating the next problem that needs to be solved, or we assume perhaps that no one is trustworthy and that nothing, even love, is ever really free. Experience and influences in our lives can teach us that life is one long problem to be solved or an obstacle course trying to trip us up that we simply have to suffer through. Some, I know on good authority, some are taught that God is really out to get us (laughs) and that God just is happy to keep score of our wrongs and that God wants to steal all of our fun. (laughs) 
I imagine that all of us, in one way or another, and for a variety of reasons, may have grappled with some of these kinds of thoughts and attitudes at one time or other. Our texts for today challenge these ways of thinking. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our thoughts are shaped and formed by our lives. And the influences in our lives. They are limited. Our thoughts are finite and unable to perceive all of the layers and levels of reality that are always dynamically at play. But God, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. What we can conceive in our minds is but a fraction of what is and of what is possible. But God doesn't have those limitations. God perceives and knows all that is happening, all that is unfolding, all that is in conflict, and all that. Is finding its resolution. And God is in all of it, and all of it is in God. God is working for good in the world and in our lives. Whether we see it or don't see it, God knows more about your life than you do. And all of the layers and the levels of reality and history and blood and culture that flow together to form your life and your experience, God knows you better than you, your being and your becoming. God knows the things you've done and, or not done. And more than that, God knows why. At depths and in ways that even you yourself don't understand. God loves us even when we are at our worst and out of deep understanding is merciful. God knows the challenges we face and why. God knows the messes we've gotten ourselves into and why. God knows and will help us. Move through any struggle that we are currently facing, any pain that we are experiencing, to a new place of freedom and peace. Our negative, fearful thoughts about the future, about God, about relationships, about life, may be the residues of how we were raised or what has happened to us. Or in our lives. But God calls to us saying, Why do you spend your money on that which does not nourish you? And I paraphrase, your resources on thoughts that limit and starve you. God calls us to turn away from the empty calories of those wholly unhelpful perspectives 
and instead to come and feast on the food and drink of grace and hope and love and do all of that for free. The words of Jesus from John 10, verse 10, put an exclamation point on all of this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus says, I came that they, that is you, might have life and have it abundantly. I'm fairly obsessed with the importance of perspective and where we choose to focus and how we frame our experiences. I have come over these last number of years to believe that it is among the most important thing that we do in order to live with any semblance of peace. We can't change what we learned in our family systems or how we were socialized or things that happened to us or things that are out of our control or ways that we messed up in the past, but by God's grace, we can make decisions about how we will work to shift unhelpful patterns of thought and behavior. We can choose how we will frame things that are happening in our lives right now. We can reframe our realities and shift our attitudes. Years ago, in the very first congregation that I served as pastor, my lay leader, a really beautiful man named Harry Deal, recounted to me something he remembered from a former pastor's sermon. Now, when somebody tells you they remember something specific from a sermon, you better pay attention, because honey, I know people don't remember sermons. <laughs> so I was like, wait, what? You gotta tell me this, it's gotta be good. So Harry, so Harry told me, he said that the pastor encouraged folks to pay attention when they hear themselves say that they have to do something. I have to do something. He said, always pay attention when you hear that come out of your mouth. Like this weekend, I have to weed my garden. The pastor urged folk to shift from I have to to I get to. <laughs> it's a simple shift, one word, but it makes a big difference in how we hold the task ahead. I get to weed my garden this weekend, which means that I have some time this weekend that's my own and I get to choose to work in a garden that is itself a gift. It means that I'm feeling healthy and strong enough to be able to do some tasks to care for this garden that is a gift to me. Or I get to set an agenda for a meeting that's happening this week that's going to help further the work of the organization. You see how it works? During my leave time, I realized that I had gotten caught in thinking about life in a less than helpful frame, I was unintentionally leaning toward the I have to instead of the I get to, constantly looking at the next problem that needed attention, the next fire that needed to be contained. This realization of kind of the way I was framing things came to me very clearly in prayer. I received this message 
Life is not a problem to be solved, but a gift to be opened and explored with curiosity. Life is not a problem to be solved, but a gift to be opened and explored with curiosity. This message urged me to make a shift. That shift is what I hear in our texts for today. It's the call to turn away from ways of thinking and living that weigh us down and wear us out and starve us of what we need to thrive. And it's the call to instead fill ourselves with the rich and satisfying grace, mercy, and promise of God. It's the call to move through the gate, who is Jesus, the way of Jesus, to move through the gate, the way in which all is framed by the good news of God's liberating love and grace. If we move into that frame, imagine a frame and there's a gate and you're going into the frame and then once you're in that frame, you are dwelling in a space in which God is always at work in the world and in our lives for good. That's your frame, that's your reality. And in that frame, we are able then to approach each moment, the highs and the lows, with some measure of curiosity, looking for what we are being given to learn or how we're being encouraged to stretch or deepen or grow. When we frame our lives within the way of Jesus, we will be given grace to listen for the word that God is speaking, a word that is never empty, but always full of nourishment and life. Again and again during my leave time, it was really weird. I had perfect strangers in random, what would be just a passing by conversation, say to me, Isn't it beautiful how everything in life is a way to learn something? I'm not making this up for a sermonic effect. This actually happened. I mean, randomly, people were telling me this, and I kept saying, okay, God, I'm listening. Everything in life, isn't it a beautiful opportunity to learn something new? And so I've started asking myself questions. Isn't it curious how that is playing out? I wonder what's happening. Instead of, oh my gosh, what's happening? What is spirit wanting to teach me through this? Or I wonder how God is at work to bring new life out of what my limited mind perceives as only death. These are the kinds of questions I've begun to practice. It's a simple shift, but I believe it's making a difference. One of the benefits of responding to the urgent invitation in both our texts for today is that we can move through life a bit more lightly. <laughs> Remembering that life is a gift to be received and explored rather than a problem to be solved. You know, it is possible, get this, you can even enjoy your life. I think I'd kind of forgotten that, truth be told. You can enjoy your life. But Jesus is clear, Jesus is clear. 
He came not to steal, kill, or destroy, but to assure that we have life and life abundantly. And the prophecy of Isaiah is not that the faithful will know only problem after problem and obstacle after obstacle, but rather that we shall go out in joy and be led back in peace, that the mountains and the hills before us shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. It may be difficult to believe, but it is a steadfast promise of our God. And all we have to do is to choose what we consume, whether that be junk food that doesn't satisfy or the nourishing fare from a God who sustains our life. All we have to do is choose who we follow and who we allow to influence our attitudes, either the fear mongers and the naysayers or the God who assures us a future with hope. All we have to do is choose the gates that we step through, either the gates that want to hold us captive and starve us or the gate who is Christ, who allows us to go in and to come out freely as we learn to live the abundant life that is our inheritance as children of God. We will go out in joy and be led back in peace. What a beautiful gift. Thanks be to God.